SMB Wisdom acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands upon which we have recorded this podcast today. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello and welcome to the SMB Wisdom podcast, coming to you from the land of the Yuggera and Turrbal people. My name is Alice Rue and I'm a partner at SMB Advisory, the proud sponsors of this podcast. The SMB Wisdom podcast is a forum to provide value tips for business owners from an extended network of experts on their topics of expertise. I'm so very blessed to have an amazing network of people who are fabulous at what they do. They might be accountants, lawyers, business owners, or any number of individuals that day in, day out, deal with the issues and problems that can plague small and medium business owners and come up with solutions, outcomes, and results to assist It's now my mission to bring some of this knowledge to small and medium business owners to assist them in making their good businesses great and their great businesses fabulous. Now on with today's episode. Well, hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for our SMB Wisdom Reflection Series for 2022. 2022 has been another year like no other where we've started to live and work through a different lens. In this series, I'm privileged to speak with a series of guests that might also happen to be my contacts, friends and colleagues about the milestones that they've reached, challenges they've faced and lessons that they've learned throughout the course of 2022. As an insolvency practitioner, I do like to look at the learnings that come about from businesses or ventures that might find themselves in distress in order to advise others on how to attempt to mitigate against making similar mistakes in the future. And in the same vein, I like to look to my colleagues, contacts and friends to hear what they've learned from their different experiences, as I think it builds towards a wealth of knowledge. And this is why in this series, I'm talking with a number of esteemed and accomplished individuals to see what 2022 has meant to them, the lessons that have been learned and what might be ahead for 2023. Today, I'll be speaking with Nicole Davidson from Nicole Davidson Negotiation. Nicole is a commercial mediator and negotiation trainer and advisor. An accredited mediator since 2016, Nicole brings a wealth of experience in the legal, insolvency and banking sectors to her mediation practice. She's consulted across a broad range of industries in Australia, Europe and the Middle East and is a mediator on the Victorian Small Business Commission Mediation Panel. In 2021, she received the Resolution Institute's Award for Achievement by an Emerging Practitioner and in 2022, she was recognised in the Australian Law Awards as Mediator of the Year and listed it as one of Inside Small Business Magazine's top 50 small business leaders. Nicole was also a guest this year on the SMB Wisdom podcast earlier in an episode in which we discussed dispute resolution and in particular what to do when you and your co-business owners disagree on important business decisions. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Alice. That's uh, a lovely introduction. Thank you. No, and look, even from that introduction, we can see that 2022 has been quite a big year for you so far. It has. It has indeed. It's been a pretty good year, actually, overall, I'm happy to say. Oh, good to hear. I think it's been um, it's been a different year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I keep saying, for me, it feels like the it's almost three years merged into one. I'm finding a little bit of difficulty sort of distinguishing against the last three years. I keep saying to people, you know, a couple of years ago, and really I feel five years ago. Yeah. I think that's it. Time is sort of condensed and and passing us by quickly. But it's interesting. I've really seen this year as a transition year. And I think it is that we've sort of known from the beginning of the year or sort of, you know, into the first quarter of this year, we've known that COVID is changing and the restrictions that we've been under 
were all going to sort of minimise themselves. But people are taking different rates of getting back into whatever their new normal is going to be. Some people adapted quite quickly and were like, okay, I'm back to where I was now. And other people have taken a more cautious approach. So it has been a really interesting year of transitions in, in a number of ways, I think. Look, absolutely. And I think interesting is a really um, appropriate word to use for 2022. I just actually think it has, it's not been a, a terrible year. It's not been a great year. I, I think it's been quite different to what we, like I in particular thought it might have been more of a, a normal year, but I don't mm. think it has been a normal year, but it's been yep. an interesting year. And I, I think, think that's it. I think we all thought there was going to be COVID and then there was going to be no COVID and we'd go back to where we were. And I think we're realising quite quickly that that's not, what's going to happen and, and you know like many things I think it will never be the same as it was before it will come back and keep changing I think over the next year or two um, but there's been some permanent changes that have been left because of um, what we've been through. Absolutely no I think that's entirely appropriate. Um, so Nicole 2022 what's it meant for you um, as we've seen in your bio it's you know you've had some great success um, in a nutshell, how's 2022 been for Nicole Davidson? Look, as I said, it's been a good year for me. And um, I mean, obviously winning the Mediator of the Year Award was an amazing, um, Just, uh, it just was one of those things that you are so grateful to get during your career, um, to be recognised by your peers. Um, and so that's been fantastic. And I think that the bigger thing for me that's been great is, you know, the ability to get back out there and network and meet people has been mm. probably the biggest thing for me that's been really helpful um, and, and things that I've enjoyed. I think, you know, being locked up for two years, particularly in Melbourne where we had, you know, significant lockdowns and as a solopreneur, um, you know, the, what was lost through that and the ability to actually get out not just meet new people for business, but but to share the thoughts and the ideas that are important to doing the best that you can when you're on the tools. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been just fantastic to be able to get out there. And I think for me, that's been really energising this year. No, absolutely. And Nicole, I see this year as well, you've actually done quite a bit of travel, which, you know, being from Victoria, you haven't been able to do for a couple of years before as well. Yeah, that's been certainly very nice. And that's been uh, lovely to be a mix of work travel and um, private travel as well. So another big thing about this year was that I turned 50, um, which was a bit of a milestone in itself. You wouldn't know it, not for a second. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. Um, so yeah, so that was good. So I managed to get away and take a nice break to celebrate that. But there's also been you know, interstate conferences and interstate client work and training. And, you know, I'm loving the fact that we're getting back into training rooms face-to-face, -face. Um, even though a lot of mediations are still going in, going on online. Um, well, I was going to ask trainings. you about that. Mm, yeah, look, it's, yep. it's interesting. Um, you know, a large part of the mediation work that I've been doing this year is panel work with the Small Business Commission. And that has almost all continued online because it is actually quite easy, less disruptive for the participants in the mediation and it works. So we've been getting good settlement resu results. Right. And um, where things aren't settling, it, it doesn't seem to be because they're online rather than face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. um, 
but um, with other private mediations, I think there's more of a desire to get back in person. Um, but once again, sometimes the geographic limitations of that, people are more willing to say, well, we'll do it online rather than spend a fortune on travel and shuffling everybody around and coordinating diaries for that. Oh, absolutely. I think it's definitely sort of a pros and cons basis, isn't it? You seem to be yeah. able to get mediations on a lot quicker, um, yes. you know, a lot more cost effectively uh, if you do mm. do virtually. We found that as well. Um, but sometimes the nuances, depending on what the matters are that you're dealing with, can be a little bit troublesome. Um, but otherwise, you know, if you're wanting a face-to-face, that's fine, but you've got to wait and sometimes it can be a little bit more expensive and it's not that's always it. going to be at a time and place that's convenient to everybody. So you need to you know, try and figure that out. Um, yeah. So it's sort of horses for courses really, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely right. And once again, I think there's some things you can do even where it's online, there are some things that you can do that make it more effective. So one of the challenges that I find as a mediator is where I've got multiple people all dialing in on one computer, um, it's much harder for me to take a read on what's going on. And it's more likely that they will mute themselves and have little side conversations, which you wouldn't do when you're face to face. So no. I try to encourage people to say, just all dial in individually. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't, um, unless they're in a really noisy background, I encourage them to leave the microphone on rather than muting themselves just to kind of stop that side chatter because, you know, one of the powerful things about mediation is that the, the people speaking know that they're being heard. Mm -hmm. And if you can just mute your microphone and have a side conversation, then that's lost. It's also important, I think, for the parties in the room to understand what is being said by um, other people, not only the other side, but the mediator, the registrar, mm. it's a court-appointed mediation. Um, look, people who have listened to any of the podcasts that you and I have done together previously know that I'm not a fan of a joint session, but I'll put up for the, for the case of... <laughs> Uh, for, for the good the good of the case and, and how things will work. But I was recently in a court-appointed mediation um, being run by a registrar where exactly what you said happened. The other side had their uh, microphone off and they were speaking to a lot of what the registrar was saying. And the registrar mm -hmm. actually stopped and said, look, I'm just going to stop now and make sure that uh, the audio is working okay to basically make sure that the other side uh, understood and therefore fully appreciated the um you know what was going on in the mediation yes. because again in as you at the mediations that we do often the parties on the other side aren't always the ones that are all that au fait with um the case and what's going yes. on it's important uh for the party on the other side to really understand and appreciate the nuances of the matter um and there's no way that that would have happened if we were all around a table in a joint session everyone would have been you know on their best behavior yeah yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's an interesting challenge as a mediator when you get that sort of behaviour as well, because you want to rein it in. And at the same time, you're very conscious of not damaging the relationship that you have with that party that you now have to tell off for, for mm. doing the wrong thing. So it's it's always a fine line as to, you know, how much do you let them go? When do you stop? And then how do you intervene in a mm. way that um, keeps them feeling like you're still neutral and not... Um, you know, against them because you've told them off. 
no, absolutely. And it must be a very, a very fine line to, to have to operate within. But I guess just keeping on that theme, have you seen any trends this year, Nicole, in terms of mediations? I know that sort of different people I've spoken to have said they've had quite a, a few things settle and been quite happy with different results. I know that for me, we've had a few matters that have settled. We've had a few that haven't, though. Mm. Um, and so it is. it just sort of depends on the type of matter. I think it depends on what's involved and how long it's been running from just personal experience, the ones that we've had. But what are you seeing? Yeah, look, I would say that there's been more pressure on settlement rates than before, but that's probably in a particular type of mediation. So uh, once again, the work I do through the Small Business Commission, a large part of that is retail lease disputes. And I think it was always clear that part of the commercial rent relief process was really kicking the kicking the can down the road, saying, okay, well, we'll give you some waivers, but we'll also have these deferred rent components. And I think the deferred rent, alongside the fact that a lot of businesses in hospitality and retail are still struggling because they can't get the staff to do the work that they need to generate the revenue, um, that's really caused a large number of issues. So what I'm seeing now is repeat um, mediations where parties have already been through mediation during COVID and now they're coming back because trading results haven't got back to where they would um, like them to be. There's issues around repayment of deferred amounts and realistically there is no money left. And I think that's where the settlements have been getting more and more difficult because some of the mediations that are coming through that process, mm. it's you cannot get blood from a stone. And so the landlord either has to decide to enforce their legal rights, which means they'll probably end up with not very much because there isn't anything to get anyway, but they can get a new tenant into the premises, mm. or they can decide to give a bit more financial assistance in the hope that that business will turn around. So it's a tough yeah. call for landlords and it's a tough position for the tenants. Really so they've hard, been difficult, yeah, really hard. And it's almost as though you're sort of trying as a landlord to decide whether or not you invest your money in pursuing yeah. a claim that may not be fruitful or do you invest your money in supporting a business that again may or may not succeed and it's a little bit of a gamble I think. It is, like, it is. It's, you know it's, it's two not great choices no, um, for the landlords and also a really upsetting situation for tenants who you know and once again I think we're seeing some of the businesses that I'm coming through and seeing that are businesses that already had arrears and problems before COVID started. Yeah. Um, so there is a little bit of that coming through, but others didn't, and it really has been that they just haven't managed through COVID. So, you know, I think watch this space. I think there's still a lot more pain to come next year. Um, but I'm, I'm interested that you're seeing um, more scope for settling and that you're seeing perhaps more settle because obviously it's a different space um, what are you seeing contributing to that I think it's a number of things I think that we're coming into a period where there is a little bit more cash around it's funny because you know we're talking about increased inflation and we're talking about high costs of living and the rest of it and that's right mm. but I think as well there has been also a lot of cash flying around in our economy for a little bit especially from a commercial 
point mm. of view and I think there is a little bit stashed away and I'm not suggesting for one second that that's across the board but just in terms of a specific type of uh, business or a specific type of um, party to some of yeah. these proceedings there's actually the capability there to settle now and maybe there wasn't earlier. Mm. Um, I think the increase Property values has assisted in terms yep. of um, availability of funds to settle. And that, for mine, also leads into people that we tend to be opposed to in these sorts of matters. Um, they go so far, but then you've got to draw a line at some point yep. in time. And I think we're coming to a point where there's actually, I think, a lot of opportunity coming into 2023. There's been a lot of cash around. And we've got some savvy players who are actually saying, you know what, I want to draw a line under that and settle this so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I can concentrate on my business over here or what my property may increase to worth or what um, I can do over here. And I think that, to be honest, especially in the second half of this calendar year, mm. we've seen people who are like, okay, I've got stuff I want to do over there. Can I just get rid of you? And I'm like, that's Yeah, it. and that's that's really interesting. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting because what I've seen as well is I've had an increase in the number of inquiries that I'm getting from individuals who have their own businesses who are coming to me saying, look, I'm actually in litigation already. Um, you know, they're either generally defendants. Mm. And so they've been brought into this med into this litigation. They don't really want to be there. They don't believe they should be there. And they're coming to me saying, what can we do? What guidance can you give us to try and make this thing settle um, because we just want to get it off our plate. We don't want to deal with it anymore, whether it's the cost, you know, they're, they're frustrated. I had one who said he's already spent a million dollars on lawyers and he's like, I'm bleeding. He's like, by the time I get there, there's going to be nothing to pay the, the claim. Mm -hmm. um, another one was just, you know what, this isn't a big deal, this claim against us. It's not a lot of money. We don't agree we've done anything wrong, but we just want to get it to go away because it's distracting. So I'm seeing more people come and, you know, we've we've sort of worked on a couple of those sort of situations to try and bring the other party into discussions to say, let's do something that's best for both of you. Um, yeah. It can be challenging to do that because by the time they've got down that phase, you know, there's already a lot of money invested and people are pretty bedded mm. into their positions. Um, but what I do find that's helpful, even where we haven't been able to get a settlement, is that the, the defendant that's come to me um, gets that peace of mind to go, you know what, I'm stuck in this litigation I don't want to be in, but there's literally nothing I can do now. I've tried everything I can to get yeah. this to settle. Now I'm just going to have to go through the process. Yeah. Um, and that in itself um, gives them some comfort that they're not missing something. They've done everything they can. They, mm. They're coming in, you know, armed with the knowledge that they've got. What more can you do, really? That's it. That's it. And, you know, the advice to one of them was, okay, you, your lawyers are telling you you are highly, highly unlikely to lose this. I said, it's never unlikely. It's never it's never 100% no. in litigation. Mm -hmm. um, but I said, you know, given what the other side is requiring for you to be able to get rid of this, it's like, 10 times what your legal costs are going to be. So just pay the legal costs and keep going. And this is the thing, Nicole, and I mean, it's funny, we'll, I'll talk about it because I think it is relevant for this discussion, but, um, you know, so going off on tangents and the like, but for mine We'd as never well, do that, at, We'd oh, never, never do that, Alice. We never do that, Alice. For mine, it's hard, I think, for the other side to understand that I can't just settle for a nominal amount that isn't 
um, justifiable. And I think this is, and you know, what you're talking about is, you know, if you've got your lawyers telling you that you're on a pretty good thing and nothing yeah. is certain and you always factor in, you know, certainty and costs and timeliness and you never know what's going to happen. But that's where I find it relatively difficult is when you, you know you've got a pretty good matter pretty good case yeah. you've been told you've got a pretty good case and you know I, I work with people that I know and trust and have done for a very long time and I value you know that's that's mm. why I have such good relationships with my sort of you know legal teams is you value what they say and if you um are of the understanding that you have a pretty good go and someone's offering you peanuts it's hard because you're like mate come to the table um yeah. I can't take that you know I've got to justify any position that I have to creditors uh potentially to uh you know other stakeholders down the road um you know we uh sophisticated litigants will go the whole way if we need to but you can see the costs involved in the process and the time yeah. involved and I think that sometimes just I'm using your podcast here Nicole your, your episode of my podcast as a platform but I think that's just one of those times where it's like the understanding that can go yes. along um you know it's not that it's me you know that I can just walk away and and, and take your cash and, and that's me for another day but the justification to others especially when you have a very good claim um yeah. in that mediation can be quite a difficult process well, other stand. yeah and look I think I'll say two things about that one is yes I think and it's, it's vastly different being in the plaintiff seat to being in the defendant seat because the plaintiff, if they go ahead, will actually ultimately get something. Mm. For a defendant, even if they've got an amazing defence and there is, you know, if there is no legitimate claim that's being brought, even if they win, there is nothing for them. You know, mm. they'll get maybe, if they're lucky, a percentage of their costs back, but, mm. but they're always going to be net loss. Mm. So I think there's a real difference and, and typically you're going to be sitting in the plaintiff seat. Mm. Um, the other thing I'd say is that the question of, what is a really, really strong case is always fraught because it is not uncommon to have two lawyers on the opposite sides, both with really, really good cases. It's like, well, how does how does that happen? Um, and this is the big challenge. And look, sometimes they are, um, you know, sometimes interesting things happen. And I think back to, you know, one of the big insolvency cases of recent times where the plaintiff, the liquidator, would have thought that they had a most amazing claim for a preference. Yep. And then in the judgment, the judge totally overturns a piece of law that has been in place for years. And now that plaintiff's had to go all the way to the High Court. We'll wait. That sh that judgment should be coming out relatively soon. So, yeah, and, and once again... Oh, not only that plaintiff, Nicole, that's the other thing. You don't know what's happening outside your case. How many other liquidators had preference claims based on the peak indebtedness rule? At yeah, that exactly. And thought they had pretty good cases too until they I know. And, and for the ones that had already started their litigation, right. you know, and presumably they're all on hold pending this because how can a judge make a decision when the High Court hasn't? It, it's oh, chaos. It is literally chaos out there with all of these things. And and this is where I still think, you know, look, it brings me onto my soapbox issue, which is I think the adversarial process in commercial disputes does not make sense. Mm. Um, and I would just so much more like to see a system where in commercial disputes like this, we have an independent legal opinion that is not inherently biased one way or another that gives the most likely outcome in the law and people can work with that. I 
I just struggle. I get the adversarial system in criminal law where there's, you know, people being incarcerated and, you know, the, the ability to get it right and to defend yourself in that way is really important. But I just think that the consequences that flow from having an adversarial process in commercial just don't make practical sense in my head anyway. And I'm sure a lot of these sorts of um, thoughts and, um, you know, how you sort of your beliefs and ideologies behind um, these sorts of disputes, which we know that you've been involved with for such a, a long time and, and are so amazing at it, but that's given you such the great grounding that obviously has led to a lot of milestones this year, including your uh, Mediator of the Year award which is phenomenal. Um, but that's, I guess, leading us to the milestones for 2022, mm. Nicole. Um, you've had a few. Yeah, well, look, I mean, turning 50 was a big milestone. Um, Mediator yeah. of the Year was another milestone, which was fantastic. Um, the other thing, you know, the other um, recognition that you mentioned earlier was um, yeah. being named by Inside Small Business Magazine as a top 50 business advisor. And I think... Um, that was really great too because what I loved about that was the the reasoning behind that was that they recognised the value of my podcast, Negotiation in Real Life, as a really useful tool for small business um, to develop skills and to get some ideas about how to handle things. So, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of that because I put a lot of effort into the podcast um, and it's great to know that it is something that makes a difference for people. So Absolutely. that was a really positive step and forward. And it is, Nicole. I think it's brilliant. I do think that you are bringing um, sort of the, the concepts of negotiation and mediation sort of into the forefront, which is not something that we do hear about. We often hear, you know, especially in, you know, crime procedurals and these sorts of things, we always hear about the uh, the court system and the adversarial system and what happens when you sue somebody and la, 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 la. But we don't often see what actually it means to be in mediation mm. and what it actually means to have negotiations um, that are successful and, and some that aren't, but what that yeah. means and how that can actually uh, sort of further everybody's mm. um, experience in the journey, I think. So I think that's brilliant. I've, I've said it once, I'll say it again. I also think that your A to Z of um, negotiation is um, a valuable tool and I do like following those. I think they're quite thought-provoking. Um, so I think, you know, amazing recognition, very well warranted. Um, so congratulations for all of that. I think that's been brilliant. Thank you. Um, and so dare I ask if there's been any challenges in 2022, given it's been such a stellar year? <laughs> oh, look, there's always challenges, aren't there? And, you know, I think from the small daily challenges of running a small business and trying to do everything and be everything to everybody, um, you know, that just continues on. Um, but I think the challenge is still interesting. I think one of my biggest challenges, because networking and business development is still a big part of what I'm doing to sort of, you know, build people's awareness of what I do and how I do that. Um, and that's actually been quite a challenge this year because I've found people are more likely to say they want to meet up in person than over a Zoom for very good reasons. We're all a bit sick of Zoom, I think. Um, but then trying to actually catch up with people who are working from home large chunks of the time. Um, and certainly it's been a year where a lot of people have been away sick more than they might have been in the past. So the actual, you know, mechanising that and actually getting it to happen mm. um, has been probably one of my biggest challenges is, you know, there's this whole list of people that are on mm. my to catch up with list 
and just, you know, coordinating all of that's quite a challenge. No, absolutely. I can, yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, and lessons, I guess, then from those challenges in 2022, have you learned any lessons out of all of that? Look, I think for me, the biggest lessons, one of the things that I've been doing this year is on more on the training side of the business is really trying to be creative about how I adapt what I do for different audiences. Because one of the things that's come out of COVID is, you know, if I think back to five years ago, I was running full day and two day programs. Um, you know, there was there was a pretty standard format that I would run and it was great content and it was all proven and it worked but it was quite time consuming. And I think not only having now tasted the online format of training, which has its place, I think it loses quite a bit of value for business. But what I've been playing with and, and learning is around how we can sort of be more hybrid in the way that I do some of that. So it's really about taking what I was doing a few years back and now creating more tailored and more hybrid offerings. So it brings the learning in so that there's a combination of things that can be done online, there's face-to-face -face workshops, and I've really redesigned some of that. So that's been a really interesting process and great process to go through and look at the feedback, um, just to be able to offer people what, they, what their particular team needs at any particular point in time. Hmm. It's funny, you know, they always hand down this time of year, you know, the new words that go into the dictionary or the phrases of the year or the audio bites of, you know, 2022. And I, I just think a hybrid is something that we are living in now. Mm. And whether or not that's something that comes through more so, you know, in the year to come. But I just think that this concept of really living both um, in the being and also across the screen, um, both have so much impact. I think both yeah. are very valuable uh, and both together, you know, working together in a true sort of hybrid synergy um, has so much. And I, I think that it's it's tough, right? Especially in a small business where you've got a team and you're trying to deal with that, it's tough. But I think that when you get it right, that synergy actually is amazing. And um, yeah. there's so much potential there. So it's weird, I think coming into 20, and I'll ask about 2023 shortly, but I think that coming into 2023, if we can try and work, you know, that all together, there's, there's a I think, there. I think the really interesting thing, and look, I don't have to deal with a hybrid team because it's just me, but I speak to a lot of people who are dealing with it and some of them having conflict coming out of that. Um, I think what's really interesting is that when we look at, or, or certainly what I'm hearing about the hybrid models, is that there are some people who love the working from home piece and will try and do that a lot. And there's some who now want to be back in the office. And um, one of the things I've been saying for quite some time since we first started going online is it's a real shame from a training perspective, because a lot of the ad hoc um, sort of learning by osmosis that happens when you're in the office and you're overhearing conversations and you get, you know, dragged into things at the last minute has just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And what's been interesting to see is it seems to be now that more of the junior staff who need that are more likely to be coming back into the office more regularly. Mm -hmm. And I think partly that's because they're the people less likely to have facilities at home to effectively work from home anyway. They're probably on their beds or their kitchen table or something. Um, so they're wanting to come back in, but the older generation, so those who've got kids at home or maybe 
you know, have bought outside of the town and, and have long commutes. Um, the ones that need to be there for that osmosis to happen have decided, mm. gee, actually, I get a lot more of my life if I stay back at home. So mm. there's, I think there's still going to have to be a lot more of a shift around that. And it'll be fascinating to see where it gets to. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, like you say that, and I totally agree because I find myself now probably more so at the start of uh or the middle of 2020 as opposed to now but i do still do it with my juniors you know like today i've, I've already had to yeah go in and swear an affidavit virtually now of course because that's what we can do yep and i'll say to one of my juniors oh well, do you want to hop on and they're like seriously you're going on to swear an affidavit and that's what you're doing so like, yeah but if i was in the office i would say to you come in so and so's yep. here come and meet them they're the ones that have been doing the work on the matter you know, we'll go through the affidavit. If I need anything, you go and run and deal with it. Mm. Like that's what we would have done, right? In, yeah. Back in the day, you'd say, okay, well, we've scheduled, we're swearing the affidavit at two, come on in, la, 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 here's so-and-so. That's, that's you know, here, meet. You may not have met this person before. You can meet them. Uh, yep. This is how we do it. You know, how do, how do I know how to swear an affidavit? Because I sat in a million of the partners before me <laughs> who actually swore affidavits, you know, and, and did that. Whereas now my juniors don't know that. Because it's yeah. quite a, um, you know, it's a process. You don't, it's, it seems weird to say, do you want to hop on the call? I'm about to swear an affidavit will take five minutes. But that sort of thing, I think, you know, yeah. when you're talking about that osmosis and those incidental learnings and uh, introductions and those sorts of things, we just need to get better at them, I think, if we are doing them this way. Um, You've got to be much more conscious, don't you? You've got yeah. to actually be making a conscious effort, whereas before it was kind of just in your face. Um, mm. So, and I think that's, you know, it's great to hear that you're doing that with your juniors. I think lucky juniors to have someone who is actually conscious about that. But mm. I think I actually would be surprised if you were the majority. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, all right. So 2023, it's a big number. Um, yeah. And that's where we're going to be next year. What are your thoughts about 2023? I guess both um, holistically, but also for you, what are you sort of planning mm. on and, and what are you thinking? Yeah, so look, I think overall, as I said, I think there's still going to be a bit of pain and um, I think there will still be a lot of transition as people are settling into what's going on. And I'm hearing people talk about, you know, changing the way they manage their staff with working from home. I'm talking about people looking at, you know, how their business model works in the new times. So I think there's going to be still quite a lot of transition and shift. Um, and I think also there's going to be conflict coming out from the perspective that, you know, I don't know where everyone's gone to, but businesses are struggling to get the people they need. So there's a lot of people who are now feeling overworked and, over, you know, overpressured, um, and that's all going to flow into what's going on. So I'm seeing for me next year, there's probably going to be quite a bit of work around helping organisations that are getting employees who are feeling particularly stressed because that leads to conflict within the workplace and dysfunction. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there'll be a, a bit of a change in maybe what's in maybe in some of what I do as I go forward. Um, but also I think from the mediation perspective, I've really enjoyed this year and you know, I think the mediation award has been really helpful in opening doors for more conversations with people. So I'm really um really looking forward to not only continuing on the panels that I'm doing, but also 
really getting into more of the um, commercial mediation, particularly in the insolvency space. And I think insolvency, as much as it's sad for the general um, community, I think there is going to be an upkick in insolvencies over the next 12 months and mm. there's going to be a lot of litigation. My hope is that some of that will happen early and, you know, as, as a former insolvency practitioner, I'm hoping that there will be a nice slice of um, that work where I can step in and actually help make a difference to get those resolved. Really, a, a quick resolution of an insolvency dispute is good for everyone because it's good for the creditors, it's good for the liquidator, it's good for the creditor. Yeah, no, so. no, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely, Nicole. And it's always, I think, something where I was just talking today in a different conversation about the fact that when you've actually got actors in that game that know what they're talking about and understand mm. the real issues, then I think all of the parties are better off because you actually can try and, and seek an early uh, resolution um, yeah. situations that, you know, uh, it may not always be obvious to others that maybe don't practice in the space all of the yes. time. So I yeah. think that's... That's very fortuitous uh, that we have you in that space as a mediator mm. as well. I think there is a lot of opportunity there. Um, so as you would know from our SMB Wisdom podcast, normally at this time of the podcast, I would ask you for your um, best piece of SMB Wisdom that you've had. But given the flavour of this discussion and it being our Reflections um, series, I'm asking our guests what is your favourite thing about this time of year? Like what signals to you that it's the end of the year, that it might be time to sort of start celebrating? Uh, if you celebrate Christmas, for example, do you have any, you know, set sort of really festive traditions? I've got my little plum puddings on that my nephew's my nephew made for oh, me. Oh, very ago. cute. Um, you know, the Christmas earrings come out. Um, does Nicole have anything for the end of the year that sort of is like, okay, now it's time to, to have some fun? Yeah, well, look, I think the big thing for us is always getting the Christmas tree up. And I'm, I'm a massive bar humbug. Anything, pre, anything Christmas before the 1st of December is just not on. Like, please don't. Um, <laughs> but come the 1st of December or generally the first weekend after that, mm -hmm. um, the Christmas tree comes up. Um, and that gives me permission to get out my very daggy Christmas carols music. Um, nice. So I only get a few weeks of Christmas carols each year, but it is one mm -hmm. of my guilty secrets um, mm -hmm. that I actually do quite enjoy Christmas music. So that's uh, been happening a little bit since we got the tree up on the weekend. It used to be a lovely tradition to get the kids to put the baubles and everything on the Christmas tree. It never looked very good, but it was mm -hmm. a, you know, cool thing. Oh. They refused this year. So a friend and I did it and the tree looks amazing. I bet it does. <laughs> there you so go. That's a big thing. And I don't have plum pudding ice uh, earrings, but I do have a lovely set of um, very stylish Scandinavian silver reindeer earrings that I bought when I was in Sweden many years ago so they are pulled out only ever for Christmas day or oh I love that occasionally for a, for a Christmas party for a very special a yeah, very special Christmas party too. yeah oh Nicole that sounds amazing yes fabulous times hey thank you for coming on again today I know we do tend to go off on a few tangents but I love chatting to you and I could do it forever uh, and we've done it a few times now and I'm sure we that We'll and be I'm able sure we'll to do it again. Right. I was going to say, hopefully, we'll be able to get you on again next year for the uh, the SMB Wisdom podcast. I think we've got a lot to chat about, and I think that you know that's that's a great thing to do and, and ventilate those ideas uh, for others to listen to. I hope that you do get a good break, and I hope that you're able to to have a bit of a recoup over over the break, ready for a busy year. I'm sure in 2023. Um, 
And thank you so much for all of our listeners today. Make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our fabulous 2022 reflections. Talk soon. And until then, be wise in business. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Alice. SMB Wisdom is proudly sponsored by SMB Advisory. SMB Advisory is a specialist firm of chartered accountants dedicated to providing specialist insolvency services to financiers, advisors, directors and individuals. The team at SMB Advisory are a safe set of hands to talk through your options when things get tough or when you find yourself in a tricky business situation and you're not sure what's next. Call the team on 1800 762 238 or send a message through the website www.smbadvisory.com.au to talk through the next steps in your business journey.